0: But I'm not going to take this anymore! Hello, friends. Welcome back to the show. Uh, a couple of months ago, I had the privilege of speaking at a conference for a company called Quest Analytics. Not Quest Diagnostics, different company. Quest Analytics. And how best to describe what they do. They're, they're kind of a, an urban planning healthcare platform that goes to communities in advance of setting up healthcare systems that meet the needs of the community. A little complicated, but a good example is if it's a low-income community or a Spanish-speaking community, they make sure that the infrastructure is set up to work with the culture of that area. It's more complicated than that, but joining me today is their CEO, Steve Levin, who I got to meet at that conference that I spoke at, uh, live in studio. He's a really smart guy, and he's going to explain some of the good parts of healthcare. And yes, there are good parts of healthcare where if they don't do their job, they don't get paid. How wonderful. So, buckle in. Here we go. Steve Levin. Enjoy the show. Steve Levin. There I am. Welcome to Add Patients. Happy to be here. Long time coming. Thank you. My first question is um, only Harvard and Yale? uh harvard and dartmouth oh i, ne- my, I never oh. yale's always a company. Oh, i ruined it i ruined it north Han- new hampshire new right? hampshire yeah, ha- yeah.
1: hanover and boston that's uh right. yale was always sort of a family ambition but we never oh, got there okay your parents must be very disappointed well they're finally happy now they got we actually have a doctorate in the making in the family oh really who's that uh, my youngest son just started at, at columbia we're pretty excited about that good for him what kind of doctor uh one that helps people okay that's a good doctor yeah, he doesn't know yet, but it's it's been great. We're very excited. Is he your only? No, we
0: get two. I got another one. He's not a doctor. No. <laughs> yeah, my twins are thirteen, and we clearly know which one's going to do this and which one's going to do that and which one's not going to do this. Yeah, yeah. So no, it's great, and it's it's someone who's been in healthcare for you know over two decades
1: to have somebody finally in sort of delivery and clinical engagement is pretty interesting and eye opening and
0: cathartic. So I always ask executives in the business for a long time, did you ever work retail in high school? I was a I was a busboy. I was a,
1: a waiter for for many years. I was a stockkeeper in, in different times. So I've done – I haven't actually worked retail, but I've done other things. I was a busboy. Oh, yeah. Only the best. Did you have the little crummer? And you crumb the tables too? Uh, my, my restaurant was not quite that high end. Okay. Mine was more <laughs> like, can you pick up the chicken fingers under the table, please? <laughs> got it.
0: Got it. My dad um, sort of pulled a, uh, what's it called? when uh, Like a nepotism thing when I was 15 and got me a job as a busboy at Staten Island Country Club. Ooh. which was, you know, fancy golf That's thing, fancy. and yeah. it was nice, and you know, they had like the, the napkins that you folded like swans, and, and no one knew what was behind the swinging doors, and everything was, yeah, but humble beginnings, right? Yeah. No, look, I, I, I learned a lot, you know, cleaning up after people's
1: dinner, serving them, uh, working in the kitchen, and the people that had been there for years, and you know, I was a summer employee, so it was interesting. Learned a lot about me, learned a lot about others, and yeah, people, people, people. skills, people's skills. <laughs> tolerance. People, uh, not just tolerance, just sort of effort. And, you know, it's where I sort of have come to the belief that everybody, you know, again, millions of people in the world, billions of people in the world. And so, no such thing as an average and, you know, no rule fits everybody. But I, right.
0: generally speaking, think people are pretty good. That's, is that Machiavelli? Man is inherently good or evil? I forget which one. Probably is. one of those. <laughs> I, I like to think of that everybody
1: is well intentioned. They. They're trying. They're trying to do their best in their context
0: and sort of work to their better interest. I was a fan of. I think I wrote a maybe a paper on this on how life is a bell curve meets Plinko from Price Is Right. <laughs> <laughs> you can never really know what's going on.
1: Right, 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 right. <laughs> uh, the Price Is Right. That is
0: a that is a, a moment in time and Bob right. Barker. Right. Oh yeah, Rip. As of this taping, Rip Bar Barker. Yeah. Nice. So that was a, a legacy. That kids today don't
1: appreciate. (laughs) No, and and sort of how many times did you try and—did you scream at the people in the the final show, the final, you know, the the final bid and like, oh, that's way too low. The
0: showcase showdown. That's
1: the—right, the showcase showdown.
0: And, and, you know, you're probably in a space where, like, well, how much is that? Uh, it's five bucks. Uh, five dollars and one cent.
1: <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> Everyone knows. And you always knew you wanted the second showcase. Yes. But you never wanted the first one.
0: No, the first one was, like, the furniture no one wants. And right. The second one was the car.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah. Oh, the second one was better.
0: Or remember on Wheel of Fortune where you're, like, in the original Wheel of Fortunes, like, they gave you the money, like, the rotator. You had to go shopping. Yeah, you went shopping. The thing rotated. Them. I'll take the knife and the blender and the bear rug. <laughs> and how much do I have left? Right, I'll have that on gift certificate. On gift certificate to service merchandise. Right, right.
1: <laughs> that was uh, I was that show is still on. It still amazes me. Yeah, uh, it's still Pat and and Vanna and but they've simplified it. Right, we just hand out money now.
0: Yeah, they may. I mean, so I have been doing the New York Times Crosser puzzle since I was in high school, and on the app, if you have the New York Times Crosser puzzle app, it goes back to 1993. All the puzzle, every yeah. single one from yeah. 93 onward. And, you know, the Monday puzzles back then were as hard as the Friday puzzles they are today. So they've, they've dumbed down the New York Times Caution puzzle. So there you go. There you go. Anyway, we, we uh, digress. The over-under. The, <laughs> yeah, over-under. the over-under. So I wanted to talk about how you, you leaped directly into like the business world right out of school. Is that what you wanted to do or did it just happen that way or talk us through that? Uh, you know,
1: uh, the, it
0: didn't just happen that way. I was sort of an engineer.
1: Um, I was not really a very good engineer. So engineers who are listening are like, yeah, you know, I was a bachelor of arts in engineering, which means I sort of <laughs> underst- I understand the math. I, I sort of can do the conceptual stuff. But you don't actually want me to build anything or fix anything or design anything. But I just like the math and the structure of it all. But I always sort of thought I was going to go towards business and sort of something like that. I grew up in a family, had run a small business. And so I sort of had that in the upbringing. I think people learn from their parents and their communities. Well, I I have a BA in
0: in music. Uh, There you go. (laughs) There you go. go. So the BA rings true for me. And I feel like all the skills I built in 25 years have nothing to do with what I learned. And it's all trial by fire, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Look, I just, you know, I ended up in business because I wanted, I liked uh, problem solving. I thought it was sort of interesting and sort of the, the, and became a consultant, which which means if you give me your watch, I'll tell you what time it is. Right. <laughs> um, uh, but I just, smart people who, in hard problems and people who were looking for things to be constructed and structured and, des- and designed and
0: sort of fit my head. So what were the specific issues of the nineties <laughs> that you were working on that probably may have matter today? Um, some of them are, you know, a lot of them,
1: they, they endure. So um, I spent some time in uh, steel, in the steel industry in the U S thinking about foreign import and sort of the industry, the kind of the technology shifts that were occurring. So blast furnaces to continuous cast steel and sort of what was going to happen to auto steel. And so, the you know the idea of technology and disruption was was a pretty common conversation, and uh, we were at the forefront of what was going to be a globalized industry, and then I you know so the issues are the, the context may be different right it wasn't right. digital it was analog, but sort of the issues were similar.
0: Tell me you had Lotus Notes.
1: Oh, um, <laughs> I uh, you know uh, at one point I remember we had the we had the. We had a model. We were trying to build an Excel spreadsheet mm-hmm. model that was so big. We needed to get an even bigger PC, so we had to wait for the compact to come out.
0: We yeah, had the um, 586, not the 486. It,
1: you know, exactly. And, you know, traveling around America with floppy disks, mm-hmm. um, how many, you know, you know fax paper. Is it the waxy fax paper, the smelly
0: fax paper, or the paper wax paper? Right, exactly.
1: Yeah. So that journey was, and, and payphones in airports. So if yes. you around, right? So a calling card, you had a and a payphone, and be a line of the wall of payphones and people waiting to get on and doing voicemail. Yeah, five five seven. That means advance to the end and delete.
0: You imagine COVID back in the payphone era, just. <laughs>
1: right no like, one wins right um but you you know i'm, I'm an old guy an old, an old guy so you know we faxes pay phones calling cards dial up yeah dee-
0: dee-
1: right yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that one um who's gonna want why would i want to get you know uh internet at home it's so slow i you know yeah I, it, it you know it's faster the to images go to the like downloading like by pixel on your screen right right. I was, I was somebody on the radio recently was telling the story of how they used to take pictures and and download them and they would they'd print them and it'd be like <laughs> yeah dot matrix
0: for the <laughs> win yeah, yeah it, print shop right all right yeah. and you know twenty two minutes later they got a picture of them on the on the school fence yep. So I, my my uh, consummate nineties uh, old school pretext story is that I was. Uh, my first MRI was done on you know day X, and my 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 mom and I went out to to lunch afterwards, and we got home, and the answering machine was blinking, and that's how we knew to go back and see the radiologist. Right, right again, I remember that. Yeah, answering machine was blinking. Old school. Old school. And now my kids today are like, oh, Dad, um, the floppy disk is the save icon. You notice that? <laughs> uh, have your kids tried a typewriter? Not a typewriter. No.
1: Have they ever? Have you? Have you? Have you tried to dial on a rotary phone? Me personally?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sure. In the in the last year or two. Oh no! No, I need to do that. You should try it. You will fumble mightily. Will the arthritis kick in immediately? For you know, but that was when people we hated their phone numbers if they had too many nines in them.
1: Yeah, well, I just I, I tried this in a, in a bizarre way recently, and I, I couldn't actually dial properly. Really? It's it's so slow right and mechanistic yes that you're going to discover like one three
0: one two
1: <laughs> eight and, and you're gonna it's gonna slip
0: and it's really hard my phone number growing up was nine eight four seven one seven six a lot of heavy numbers over five no one liked dialing my number
1: right and then exactly
0: and how many phones had cords right did, right did, did you grow up with the with the wall phone that had the long cord? We had a, the yellow rotary phone, and the cord was about 50 feet long and tangled, but it reached upstairs to my bedroom. That was the one. Which I think, you know, like it, you'd walk through and you just like collapse when right. you, you didn't see it and you fall on the floor. Right. So now we've just certified to, to everyone listening that we are old. We are old. Right. It's like if – you know, there was an Instagram shot of like uh, Joe – and Natalie and Tootie from Facts of Life, and they were like 65 years old. And they said, if you know who these people are, you have arthritis. Yeah, I'm not going there. <laughs> I don't ever
1: want to look at anything other than in the original form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's your astrological sign?
0: Uh, I'm a Virgo. Okay. Do you fit the Virgo profile? I don't know. What, that, what is that? Virgos. I'm reading from the internet, folks. The internet. Uh, Virgos are logical, practical, and systematic in their approach to life. The Earth sign is a perfectionist at heart and isn't afraid to improve skills through diligent and consistent practice. So far, it's pretty good. That's like your poster. So far, it's pretty good, <laughs> right? Pretty accurate, universe. Right. Thank you very much. Right, that's pretty good. So you, you're. What t- are the shortcomings? So Virgo's biggest weakness, again, according to the interweb, is the desire to reach perfection.
1: I'm I'm a I don't I'm a person that doesn't fit me. I'm more of a I should know where I'm trying to go, but like don't let perfection get in the way of progress.
0: Yeah, Virgos invest too much time and energy in focusing on minor details that they can't get into mainframe or bigger picture. Not you. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, you're Virgo-ish. I can be annoying. That's fantastic. <laughs> so why healthcare? Right, you, you meandered across I, I,
1: this. I didn't start here. Yeah. I, I fell into this. I was doing steel and aluminum and other things, uh, consumer consumer product stuff, and ended up having some of the work I was doing around consumer marketing and segmentation had relevance in a healthcare context. So things around targeting and uh, optimizing sort of how to think about workflow. So segmentation. And uh, somebody asked me to do a little work to take this, this, this sort of intellectual concept and apply it in healthcare. And that was the beginning. So I leave. They they call me and they're like, you could be interesting on this problem. And are you interested in it? And so it was interesting enough that I said, sure, why not? (laughs) And so uh, I left the consulting gig and I started this other company, which was around data analytics for uh, the financial systems inside of health systems.
0: That sounds ahead of its time.
1: It was early. We were were absolutely... uh, at the, at the front edge of the world of thinking about, you know, analytics and, and consumer engagement and how to use data, big data and, and all that sort of good stuff. So yeah, we were, this was like kind of 2007, 2008, which is a long time ago, although yes. it seems like yesterday.
0: In a sense, yes. In a
1: sense. But yeah, so we were probably five, seven years ahead of our time in healthcare. We were 20 years late compared to consumer credit, right? compared to finance,
0: cons- compared to marketing. But in healthcare, we were early. It harkens back, I was plucked out of the ether by Google Health mm-hmm. in its first ideation. Yeah, like, yeah. I know yeah. My name, Adam Bosworth, yep. you know, Adam. And I was like, why am I here? But they wanted like patients. There was like three other patients, you know, leader patients, not like yeah. plucked off the street people. And it was fascinating to see how it failed. Because there was a lot of assumptiveness that, oh, people trust Google. No. <laughs> and now they're like under antitrust laws at yeah, this point. I, I'm not close enough to the Google story. Healthcare is really hard. Yes.
1: It's, and it's, it's big and it's hard and it's personal. Yeah. It's very easy to kind of read a newspaper article. For me, like, like I always read a newspaper article or read a newspaper in the news. And I separate the sort of the story from – Like there's a level which is at the social level, like, oh my God, how could this happen for millions of people or whatever? Mm -hmm. And then there's the part of me, which is like, if I was one of them, if that was my kid or my brother or our next door neighbor or our town. And you have to healthcare is really complicated that way because all the statements are about millions and millions of people and trillions of dollars. Yep. And then the other side is like, no, it's my son and his broken arm.
0: Yep. Yep. Well, we're going to deconstruct more with Steve Levin, the CEO at Quest Analytics, after the break. With these messages from Wegmans? I don't know. (laughs) Who's the ad this time? All right. We'll be back in a sec.
1: Okay. It's time to commit.
0: All right. So we've established that healthcare's is messy. I, I was unaware, but no, I, I, no, I, one knew, been, no one knew that. I've been edified. I'm so smart. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, you've done a good job. So we discussed before the show. And as of this taping, I'm going through my own personal nonsense with a, a payer. First time in my career, surprisingly, that I'm dealing with this and other crazy things. And but you, your problem is more than just a payer. No, your, your
1: your problem is is a system problem. It's yes. the way certain choices were made, the, what has put the payer the
0: the context the payer now in. Right, like why did they make this decision? Right. Can you trace the quarterback? back? Who do you mean? Who are you mad right. at? Right, like who are you mad at? And, and lots of people in this in this chain. I mean, I think saying don't hate the player, hate the game is almost uh, too broad of a brush. Uh, it just I'm not I'm not I'm not saying you can't hate the, hate the player. Right,
1: but I'm just saying like. It's really complicated.
0: No, it, like we just going to keep going back to it's messy. So, in my case, I was denied uh, one of my critical medications that I've been on for a million years now because, again, the system was responding to a formulary agreed to by an employer, unbeknownst to my wife, who's my plan. And that decision, as angry as I am about it, wasn't really their fault. Because they're following the rules of the contract the employer signed but it's personal and it's
1: really painful yes life-threateningly painful
0: yes yes it, it, it's right. endangering the welfare it's violating hippocrates all these things all these things and do you think that the clinicians want to do that well that goes back to you know these are doctors who take the hippocratic oath and they have to follow these best practices but at the end of the day if there's harm being done how do you balance that even though you're following directions i think they have to like Again, I'm, I'm a
1: believer that people want to do well. And, and, and the system, look, there's bad actors and there are bad outcomes and there are bad events everywhere. But if I think about it, like 98% of the people, I believe they want to do well. Maybe they don't understand. Maybe they were, didn't have the information presented to them at the time to make a different decision. Maybe it's too, you know, the system doesn't allow them to make a different decision and they need, they don't know how to ask a different question. But like, I don't believe any clinician wants to do harm just fun. I just, fund, I, I, just I, I, don't believe that. I just, and whether I don't believe it, I don't want to believe it. I can't, I can't go through life. This is my Virgo thing. Yeah, yeah you're right? okay. My, there I'm you my go. Virgo. Go
0: back to Virgo. I'm, I'm
1: connected together. All back together again. Like I, I have to believe that the, my counterparts want to do well, that they are trying in their heart to help me, especially if they're going to wear a white coat or, or scrubs, that they're there to help. And they get just as frustrated. As we do as patients. Absolutely right. And and you and we all we all watch the TV ads where the drug companies show happy people or the insurance ad where the insurance agent helps. How many times has Captain Chaos ripped down the right? Past, right? I know. Right, I know. Like, so I don't think any of these any of these organizations want to be
0: malintent you know, generally speaking. Well, you said like if 99% of people are good actors, 1% of 8 billion is a lot of people. Right, right. And, and it's really, the this, this system, healthcare is really personal. Your
1: situation is not like anybody else's. And so the process and the rules and, this, and the protocols, which are meant to help guide people dealing with thousands of people, right.
0: may not have considered your one spot. Well, that's also the thing. It's personal. It's life and death. But we don't get this upset with cars because, like, how dare Toyota, you know, jack up their mileage to fool the government?
1: Sure, you do. You how, know? how many? But like, how many times, like, do you read the newspaper about Toyotas? I bought the car, and they said the dealer told me this, and it was really that. Where the car, you know, they they they've changed the battery cases. I mean, I think everybody just you know all all products and all services have edge cases yeah i just think healthcare somebody told me a long time ago healthcare is healthcare a right or a privilege and that is it a mission or a margin right and like health because it's life and death literally life and death i think on the margin the friction and the gaps and the problems are just
0: Bigger, it, it's so different to t- take the emotion out of it and really look at us as, as a practical clusterfuck instead yeah. of <laughs> You know, can I swear on this show? You can say what the <laughs> hell you want, my friend. <laughs> Have you heard my show? Yeah. <laughs> but it that's really what it is. And and where you wanna balance your your um your take on malevolency yeah. against greed and corporate interests and personal well-being and social justice, it's its a mess. It's, it, a, it's, it's a, really It's a Jackson Pollock painting.
1: No, it is. But, like, like, are nonprofits better than for-profits? Depends. Are, depends. One's a health system, one's a cancer charity. Same health system. Yes. There, we've got health systems that are all the same. Yeah. There are some that are for-profit, some are not-for-profit. We've got insurance plans. That some are for-profit, some are not-for-profit. Are they, are, is one better than the other? Right. Not necessarily. When you— talk, when you get into it, 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 it's not the tax structure, and it's not the, the the ownership, it's the people. And it's their ability to kind of enable and deliver and answer and be empathetic.
0: Right. Right. So it's what's hard. what's your take on something like the, um, the No Surprises Act? Because <laughs> most people don't even know what that means. And there's a lot of communication now yeah. for the maybe the the awakened patient that you know you go to Kroger's or Wegman's, you make sure the orange juice costs what you paid for it. No one knows to do, do that at their hospital. Is a federal protection a stopgap? Is a put like gum in a leak in the dam? What's your take on this? There's a lot of what I would think of in 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 this realm. I'm gonna broaden
1: it beyond those surprises. So I think that the the government at the moment, state, federal, Bunch of them are saying, "Look, we want to make the information more transparent. We want everyone sort of in and in take the consumer out for a minute because it's going to be a journey towards the consumer." Right. But at the moment, the government's saying, "Look, a lot of this information really matters, and it's been trapped, and it's been trapped and siloed and held." You know, and the government's saying, "Look, we just think it needs to be presented and brought forward, whether right. it's." contracted rates, whether it's who's in network, who's out of network, what procedures would be covered or wouldn't be covered. And so they're not saying what the answer is. They're just saying, look, let's make it visible. And then there's going to be a whole architecture, whether it's Quest or lots of other companies who are going to take this information and sort of structure it and
0: make it useful, it's going to make it useful for, mem- for for members and consumers. Like well, that tees up you know going back to what I learned when I spoke at your event. Having no understanding of that part of the pool, right? right? My my interpretation of what you guys were doing was benevolent in the sense that you identify a market that needs infrastructure and you build infrastructure based on the needs of the market, so you can get paid.
1: Our sim- to do the job, our simple view, our simple mission in life at Quest is to help America get access to great healthcare, and our our we have a, a sim- simple, real, simple met- mission, which is help great health networks be formed, help providers join them. You know, so a network, everyone thinks of a network as a directory, but if if I, if I step away from the sort of the thing you interface with, right, the network is sort of. It is the providers that are available to serve you. And it's whether they're orthopedists and hospitals or home health and dentists, it's orthopedists, it's whatever. It's all these clinicians that are meant to help you. That's the network. And they're sprinkled all over the geography. Right, you, but
0: you, but you're, you're identifying that in this community, there's this culture, there's that perspective. We're, we're thinking about like there are
1: these politics. Our, our, our simple job is to help people that are organizing insurance plans, could be a provider, could be an employer, could be an insurance company, could be the government, to say, look, this is the population in that market. This is where they live. This is sort of some of their kind of demographics and, and sort of context. What is the sort of, what would be a high performing, I use that word, I mean, like, uh, uh, what would be a, compelling healthcare network. Where should I have, and where should I make sure I've got doctor's offices? How far, now I don't want to put all the primary care people on the wrong side of the zip code and everyone has to drive 30 miles to get to it. That's not helpful. Right. So where do we put them? And do I need people in certain communities that are people of color, or black doctors? Do I need Spanish speakers over here? Do I need to have extra endocrinologists? Make sure I've got more endocrinologists in this market because we've got more diabetes. Like, like our job is simply to help the people that want to deliver networks and build build better access do it better, meet the needs of America's, you know, uh, uh, Americans. And uh, the network is sort of this interesting shared thing, you know, uh, uh, employers or governments or, you know, sponsor them, payers organize them, providers participate in them, and members experience them. It's like the thing on which healthcare care – is riding products ride on top of it, and
0: our health, your health, and my health is in it. And well, straight you're, networks. Your inner difference. Virgo and engineer come in handy because this is almost like a bit of urban planning too. Oh, it's totally. This is about time and distance and and access. And are there train
1: stops nearby or buses? is everyone have to drive? And there are care deserts in America. They're like we hear a lot about food deserts. Right. There are places in America where there aren't endocrinologists, or and so. Can the, are the PCPs delivering it, or do we have to go somewhere else? And how, Telehealth. So that's another piece. It's digital, digital. Like, what is telehealth doing in the world of network design? There are some places where digital engagement, whether it's an internet or, or telephone, can make a difference. Lots of
0: things that it's hard to do surgery on the internet. But this also includes like infrastructure, right? Working with like the cable companies or the internet companies, the ISPs. You, you
1: have to be, you know, if you're if you're a if you're building a network or thinking about those care deserts, you need to be thinking about if I put it, if I make a telehealth, do these people have high speed internet or not? Right. Yeah, there's a real. So the network is sort of a really important thing, much more nuanced and textured than simply a list in a direct, you know, in an online directory that you go, you search. And, and, um, there's a lot of people that have, it it makes a big difference. It, it really important.
0: And I would imagine you're always tinkering with it too, because it changes on a day to day basis. I I use the word drift. Okay.
1: And I, I think there's always, there's a lot of drift in this problem. So there's, New doctors coming out every six months. They graduate, right? We've got doctors retiring. We've got doctors' offices that merge and relocate. Like that, pri- you know, that your pediatrician that used to be down next to the Toys R Us, right? That office closed because uh, they raised the rents. Rust. Hang
0: on, rip Toys R Us. Yeah, I'm sorry.
1: Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, that pediatrician that's down next to Bed Bath & Beyond? Yep. Oh, that's another one. That's oh, gone, geez. too.
0: Pick something a, relevant. Container store. Okay. <laughs>
1: done. We're We've done. all got a container store, yeah. right? But the pediatrician that's next to the container store, that's not there anymore, right? right? They moved because the rents got too high because the container store was too, was too lucrative. So now they're around the corner next to, you know, Dave & Buster's. But in the directory, you know, that information needs to be updated. Yesterday they moved. So tomorrow it, it needs to be changed, right? Yeah. And- so there's a drift on the providers. You know, two, three percent of the information changes every month, and then there's a drift on the members. Like your membership, like like the membership that's part of the plan yesterday, may be different tomorrow. Maybe there was a marriage. Maybe there was a you know a, a um, uh, you know people joined. Like it, they had an open enrollment period. Maybe a new employee. So like. All this, I think of it as drift, and both sides are drifting, and so you have to be dynamically keeping the network fresh.
0: Yeah, it it sounds like an extraordinary struggle. But how how many years has Quest been around? Uh, north of uh, North of twenty. Okay, so you probably have most of it down from from I, a from a relevancy perspective. I, I, like, I, you know what to expect when you're not expecting to what to expect. I, yeah, but but look, we're we're really good at
1: this, and uh, the the team that I work with is inc- is incredible. They are passionate. They are Fixated on the the problem of three hundred million Americans and helping them get healthcare, and um, we do uh, an incredible job keeping our clients happy, keeping trying to trying to make this problem, which is quite complicated, easy. But it's a it and it's a constantly changing problem. So, COVID has demonstrated sort of in the delivery challenges and the unevenness of some of our infrastructure. Uh, the, cult, the challenges culturally, so that the problem of what tomorrow's great network looks like is different than the way we thought of it yesterday. We're All always right. getting smarter. So let's end on something positive. All
0: right. I'm a, I'm a positive guy. I don't know if you've noticed it's that. It's that Virgo part of you. No, I mean, I just, I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a cockeyed pessimist. I'm no, just Gemini. I, I, look, I, I, can read, I can read the
1: newspaper every day. I can listen to stories and say, oh, isn't that terrible? Or I can look at it and say, here's a chance to get better. Here's an opportunity. Here's where we could go. This is – there's I I fundamentally have to wake up in the morning and believe that my pe- that the people I work for, the people that work for me, the people I partner with, the organizations I work with are
0: intending to do well. Well, on that note, <laughs> I will agree to agree to disagree to agree. All
1: right.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure where I ended up, but got I got you. We're good. That's all good. That's all good. But I, I'm so thrilled to have you in the studio finally. Thank you again for the opportunity to speak to your community earlier this year it was a real privilege
1: they had loved it they, they again uh, they, you know our community was a, a bunch of folks who are building networks and trying to think about how to oversee networks and ensure that the network meets the public interest and they're always they are incredibly inquisitive and passionate about hearing how it's working like what's good and what's bad what can be changed what, in, and sort of understanding that they're incredibly
0: well incredibly passionate well intentioned people all right, Steve Levin, father of a future doctor, hopefully, uh, CEO of Quest Analytics, and former busboy. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank for you coming for coming out of me. patience, my friend. Be well. All right, bye everyone. See you next time. Out of Patience with Matthew Zachary is an off-script Health production. The executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. It's mixed and edited by Kyle Moore. If you like the show, ratings and reviews are always welcome. Leave us a message anytime at 855-AUDIO-66. That's 855-AUDIO-66 to share your healthcare shitness with us. And we might just play them on the air on a future episode. For more information about this show and Offscript Health, visit Offscript.com. That's Offscript, no T, dot com. One.